0: The Love Good Podcast is brought to you by our patrons. As they stand on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else, our patrons raise media to a higher standard and help young people and artists turn that standard into a way of life. Join the movement today that will give you hope for tomorrow. Become a patron now at lovegoodculture.com.
1: Welcome everybody to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell, coming out of retirement. Not really, just coming out of a really nice little break (laughs) from this podcast over the last month. Uh, We released our last episode of season one with Drew Holcomb only a few weeks ago and sent off our apprentices from our first year and have Wrapped up a handful of Fireside House concerts, had our quarterly gathering with all of our team members and future team members. It's just been a really crazy handful of weeks. So I can't actually tell you how awesome it is to get back into the studio, to be sharing with you today an exclusive conversation. Not only with our content director, but actually one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time, Alana Boudreaux. She'll be sharing some stories behind her brand new album that's already released to some people who have rallied behind her in crowdfunding over the last six months. Uh, But it's also going to release to the rest of the world, I think sometime in July. And so we get to hear stories from Alana specifically about a lot of the literary influences that have gone into this album. I, I would say it's one of the most brilliant storytelling albums of 2018. I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. And this conversation with Alana, it really stretches the gamut. We talk a lot about joy and about suffering and about embracing reality. And I think whenever art specifically does that, it helps us as human beings do that with our lives, you know, to embrace the reality of things, to embrace the cosmos as they are. And I think as soon as we find ourselves anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, it's because we've bought into some fantasy of what life is really all about. Towards the end of the conversation we have some special announcements about the music, books, and art that are going out exclusively to our patrons next week and our summer shipment, so stay tuned for that. And if you're not yet a patron, go to lovegoodculture.com slash join and be a part of our race to a thousand. We are at the moment not resting until we hit a thousand patrons and we have the most we've ever had, 380 in seven countries. We're just so excited and feeling so privileged to have more and more of you standing on the front lines with us as we build a better culture together. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few moments with Alana Boudreau.
2: Oh, I cast for comfort I can no more get By groping round my comfortless Them blind eyes in their dark and
1: Welcome back to the Love Good Podcast. This is your host, Jimmy Mitchell. We've already set the stage for our incredible guest on this particular bonus episode, the first of the summer. She doesn't need any introduction. She's not only LoveGood's brand new content director. She's not only an incredibly gifted singer-songwriter about to release her fifth album. That's four full-length albums and an EP about to be under her belt. She's also a very dear friend and someone that we've had on the podcast before in some of our previous archived interviews. Everybody, Alana Butro. How are you doing, Alana?
3: I'm great, Jimmy. How are you?
1: Good. Really, really happy that we've had this really incredible week together in Nashville alongside the rest of our team, people who have been a part of Love Good for quite some time, people who are just coming on board for the first time. And, uh, obviously, one of the great joys has been finally, for the first time, getting to have you in town and to be together in person as our content director. But it's been a little while, hasn't it?
3: It has. Yeah. What's it been? Uh, Like a year, I think, since I was last in Nashville. And it's been, yeah, this has been a wonderful, wonderful week. Every time I'm back in Nashville, I remember... That I'm pretty sure this is my favorite city, (laughs) really. Like, and I've been all over the place, but it's just, I just love being here and being here under, within this context, working as content director and getting to meet the whole team actually in person now, rather than via Skype, which is great, but it's, you know, nothing like being in person. So it's been just wonderful.
1: It's great to hear that. I've always found that though I've never had a job with the Chamber of Commerce, few things bring me more joy than helping people fall in love with Nashville and just give them excuses to come and to be here and to maybe one day live here. I'm not suggesting that necessarily.
3: Is that what the Chamber of Commerce does?
1: I think they help people find jobs in this town.
3: Oh, I never knew what the Chamber of Commerce did. I'm just
1: saying that. I'm Just what I'm assuming. (laughs) People give me a hard time all the time for um, not working for them, actually. Yeah, it's just been a really joyful week and a really crazy week at the same time. And uh, I think we're now looking at at close to six years of knowing each other, maybe six or seven years of friendship that began when you were a university student. And I was passing Mm -hmm. through Ohio on this two-week winter tour with a really good friend of mine. Colleen Nixon. And obviously there was a little bit of a pause in our friendship for a while because you were wrapping up school and I was crazy as normal doing who knows what. But it was the summer of 2013 when we launched Love Good, when it was still then only Love Good Music. Mm -hmm. And then I think even the following winter, we did another week or eight day tour with you around the Southeast. And I'm just curious, as you've seen love good uh, kind of grow into its own. And it's still far from a place of maturity. Let's be real. You know, it's a little bit (laughs) like baby Lewis over there. You know, it just (laughs) takes time to figure out who you are and to know where life is going. And if it's true of an individual, it's certainly true of of a small business. Mm -hmm. Uh, But tell me how you kind of seen not so much the, the development of love good, but the development of your own career, your own artistry, because in some ways they've been kind of happening around the same time, in some ways alongside each other as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's funny. Yesterday, I got an email from my college, my alma mater, and it was, well, it wasn't actually specifically from the university. It was from the photographers who were hired on graduation day, and they there's the the title of the email was it's been 5 years since you've last looked at your photographs. Do you want to look at them again? And so it was just it was odd and surreal to to look at those pictures and it's been so long. It's been 5 years since graduating from college and I actually had a moment yesterday of just reflecting on how much has happened since then and a lot has happened. It's been the most beautiful stretch of years, the most difficult stretch of years and the most creative too. So yeah, when we first met, I think I was a junior in college and just, yeah, too wrapped up and busy with classes and I was also just like, who is Jimmy Mitchell? What is this <laughs> idea? It sounds incredible, but I, I can't leave what I'm doing. And um, But I, I did remember, you know, upon graduating that I thought I should reconnect and see if you were still thinking this way about Love Good Music and still had this vision, and you did. So actually my career, th- the fact that we kind of joined forces and those tours were very effective they were just sort they were sort of i guess you could say maybe haphazardly thrown together but they weren't like it worked i don't know i don't know how you booked all those dates jimmy it was amazing but and i think everyone just kind of hopped in that van in good faith just like let's try this let's see what happens and the like truth be told there are still patrons many i think who signed up way back then who are still part of this movement and so enthusiastic about it still like they're really the heart and soul of it and they still believe in it me I think more so today than they even did then when they signed up so that tour opened up a lot of doors for me in other directions musically it also really encouraged me just as an individual to see how responsive people were to my music because that was the first time I'd ever had a chance to like tour you know and it allowed me to see oh people do they they are affected by this music, people beyond just my immediate sphere of friends and family, you know. It's just everything begets itself, so connections were wrought of other connections through that, and I've been able to travel all over the place, all over the world doing music, largely because of connections made through those initial tours. So mm. it's been pretty amazing to see, you know, those little seeds planted in good faith that you have no idea what direction they're actually going to end up growing. It's, for me personally, as an artist and as a woman, A lot of friendships have been born. A lot of creative endeavors have been initiated and brought to successful completion. And now here I am working as content director, and this has been truly a dream job. It's been really wonderful. I'm still new at it and obviously scrambling a bit, but it's neat because it's always changing and ever new because we're working with people so closely. So yeah, it's been quite a ride.
1: It's really humbling, I think, especially when we think about our patrons who are out there. Five years later, in some cases, still rallying behind us yeah. and uh, standing on the front lines of this movement that we know is so much bigger than any single house concert, any single album that we put out, any single work of art that we commission. And you, you talked about traveling the world. I'm curious because this is a huge part of my life. I love to travel. Mm-hmm. I love meeting new people and seeing new places and encountering different cultures. Uh, has there been a particular adventure that you've been on doesn't have to be far away but is there a a moment as an artist as a woman as a pilgrim here on earth where you just really stood in awe i know you've even been to the the holy land if i'm not mistaken i mean there's Mm -hmm. places you've seen that i I may never see Mm -hmm. Um, but i'm always curious for people you know what what have been those moments that really even now stand out to you in your travels yeah
3: that's a good question um well, yeah, I went to Israel and New Zealand and Spain. The thing I've enjoyed the most through my travels has been just seeing how the most meaningful experiences have always occurred in the context of having a meal with people because it's the same no matter where I've gone or in what capacity I've been there. And, and that's really, I think, where you get a sense of the people is when people are relaxed around a meal and just sharing their life stories and and everyone feels on common ground, you know, because I think sometimes it can get kind of weird and awkward when, it, like, you're performing and people feel like they have to approach you differently. But when you're around a table, that kind of goes away. Mm. And that's what I've enjoyed the most. So I can't pick out a specific memory. I'd have to, like, think of that. But that's been the most humanizing part of all the traveling is just hanging out with other people and hearing their stories and kind of breaking bread in the everyday context, you know.
1: I really love that because food, like music, like so many aspects of authentic culture, it just really gives us an excuse to share life with others and to do that well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of become increasingly one of the great joys as we've entered into this new season as love Good is, we just want to give people an excuse or uh, an opportunity to share life together well, to encounter each other. I mean, we live in very isolated and I'd say very confused times, you know, as you look at the state of affairs in society and culture, what do you see, Alana? You know, what are the, the, the deep wounds that you hope your music heals or the, the, the real issues that you hope through your music, through your life, you can be a, a spokesperson for? I mean, I'm just wondering more and more from the artists that we work with, you know, what is it that you hope you leave behind through your songs, through your concerts, through your songwriting for that matter?
3: That's a big question. I think I'm still figuring that out too, you know, as I grow. But, and especially now as a mother too, it makes me more attentive to what's really needed and what's actually essential in being formed as a person. And I think to your question about society, I see a lot of noisiness in society, like just a lot of white noise a lot of blurriness, like there's, and I think that that leads to, for many people, a feeling of, of neglect, both being neglectful themselves and also, well, I mean, if everyone's life is full of noise and mayhem and chaos and distraction, no one's really going to be present to each other, you know, it's it's like that thing where someone will be talking to you and checking their phone and preparing their response to what they're going to say to you without really receiving what's being said. I mean, I do that, you know, and your mind is always running. And I think that that does lead to just like an inveterate, like distraction and and neglectfulness, you know? And, and that's, I think that's going to leave in, in most people uh, a question of where they belong and and whether or not they are worthy of being seen, you know? Mm. So my hope, I guess, would be that in some way, my music would, would make people feel like they're being thought of and remembered and seen and understood too mm. I think that's an important thing too But really going back to that That sense of being reverenced as a person And mm. seen That's really what I hope No matter what a person's going through Or what they've done Or or how they may feel misunderstood Just that they'd feel reverenced And ennobled by mm. it, I guess Yeah
1: By the way, if anybody can hear The sweet nothings in the background That is Lewis Walker Lewis for Clive's staple Walker for Percy Yes Can you tell us just briefly Why he got that beautiful, beautiful name?
3: Well, um, I've always been a fan of C.S. Lewis, uh, even though he himself did not like children. He he admitted this, but really? he he also said that he knew that was a deficiency in himself. So he wrote children's books, did he? But he didn't oh have yeah, children. Narnia. That's right. That's right. That's so interesting. Isn't that interesting? But I've always really enjoyed his work. And Walker Percy, I discovered during my pregnancy. I was really sick for the mm. first six months, getting sick six, six to ten times a day, and. I discovered his, his books at that time, and it was like the only thing that consoled me and really rallied me. So as I read his books, I started looking into his life, and he's just—he was a fascinating man, very dynamic person, and he'd been through many things and really, really, like, strove through the muck and mire of life to find out what's true. Like, mm. he really knew hardship— And yet he was a very gentle soul. Like his heart stayed soft. So I just thought I'd like my son to have a heart soft, you know, that kind of like a Southern gentleman and and the wisdom. And I don't know. I mean, Lewis is going to be his own person, but that's kind of why I was inspired. I thought Lewis Walker sounds strong.
1: I love it. So, yep. And if I remember at some point along the way, you said that, I mean, you're one of the most creative and ingenious people I've ever known. So I'm just going to go and get that out there. Um, But if I'm not mistaken, you said that having a child was one of the most creative endeavors or processes you've ever been through oh yeah uh, bar none that's so interesting i mean i'm not, I'm not looking for any details right but <laughs> but what does that mean to say that bringing life into the world for you is, is perhaps the, the greatest creative act you've ever been a part of it seems obvious but also like i'm a guy
3: sure right well it's you know i think it's for me as a woman too it's just um Like, my body is built around a space, like a vacuousness. Ah. Whoa, (laughs) who's singing. So I think I'm just more tied to time, in a way, and and a sense of time and a sense of my body. I don't Mm. know if that's true. You know, like, that's kind of me speaking out of my experience. But I realized as I was carrying Lou, um, just that everything I've written, everything I've recorded has been kind of written out of a sense of yearning. It's like a sense of, uh, I don't want to say loss, but just a sense of incompletion. Like, I know there's there's something beyond, and so I'm writing about that and to that. And so the experience of having my body filled with this little being who had not been there before was really amazing, because that's really, like, there's a space that exists in me specifically for a child, and it was filled. And, like, that... I don't know how to describe it. It's it's one of those things that's like the nature of time. The minute you start trying to describe it, it's like it flees away from you. But, it, yeah, it, it's just – and the experience of childbirth was the most beautiful, insanely painful, insanely ennobling thing. I don't even – I'm not going to tell you about it, but, like, it was – it was wild. It was wild. And I I do wish everyone could experience it. For some reason, it was so – it was so beautiful, wow. and yeah, just—I felt very—I don't want to sound like, like a pantheist, because I'm not, but I felt very in in harmony. I felt like I was doing what I was made to do,
1: you know, wow. so— Well, Motherhood is such a cool mystery that I will never understand fully by any means. (laughs) So really, really cool. Well, okay, I I really would love to hear about the new album. It's obviously releasing exclusively to your Kickstarter backers here in the the coming days, maybe.
3: Well, so it's, yeah, the the digital pre-release has been sent out. Uh, I did that last week and then in June... I'll send the physical copies and the other little rewards. So it's very
1: exciting. It's amazing. Well, tell me about Goodbye Stranger. Do you have at this point a, a favorite song? Even just, I would love to know like what goes into the process for you of of titling an album, of of ordering these songs, because there is always so many layers, and I can't imagine bringing yeah. bringing order to all of that in a way that you know ever feels perfect. Right. Right.
3: There's, I mean, there are, there's a lot of layers and it's kind of one of those things that, at least for me, it reveals itself and presents itself as it unfolds. It's not something I can like sit down a year beforehand and
2: Mm.
3: plan out to a T. It's very dynamic and fluid, I think partly because it's a human effort. So there's, you know, I wasn't the only person who brought it to fruition. There was everyone who was in the studio and that's part of the beauty of it is you can't, at least in, in my experience, I don't like to hold too tightly to any one plan because the spontaneity of the moment, in some ways, that's when the real intimacy and the real magic happens. When someone says, hey, what about trying this idea and seeing where it goes? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ends up being the best thing. But thematically, it's it was kind of... This album I knew before I began preparing for it that I wanted to try something different with this album insofar as I wanted to... I wanted it to be more of a story album. Like I wanted it to be more literary than my others and less autobiographical. So there's actually there's only one love song on this album. It's all they're very literary songs. And I mean there are love stories within the stories that inspire the songs, but it's it's a less I mean, I, I wouldn't say much of my music's been sentimental ever, but it's it's even less so. It's it's just more stepping into the shoes of another person and writing mm-hmm. from that perspective, you know. So that was a lot of fun to do. And I was reading a ton of books before I wrote the songs, and they kind of all came as a piece. And I think they fit together. They're each distinct, but I think those who are listening with discerning ears will probably pick up the literary references and hopefully also identify with the, mm-hmm. with the characters they're in. So
1: Well, in just a moment, we're going to take a listen to what Bendrix read. So this will be a bit of a, an Alana Boudreau premiere on the Love Good podcast. But tell us about that song and perhaps what great work of literature inspired it.
3: So what Bendrix read is probably my favorite song on the album. And it was inspired by The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. And I, I mean, I don't want to give too much away about the story, but I highly recommend it. The main gist of it is it focuses on this woman named Sarah Miles and her experience really of like conversion, of coming to experience God and realize that nothing in her life had really satisfied her beforehand. And the beautiful thing about this woman is that she's just so honest with herself and with God. And and part of the book is these sections of her journal. And it's it's kind of uncanny to read as a woman because Graham Greene seemed to have a really strange intuition into the way a woman thinks and experiences love and affection and, and what she actually truly craves in her bones. And this woman is, um, she's a serial, like, adulteress. So she's living a pretty crazy life. And she finally has this moment of recognition that it's just not cutting it for her, that she's kind of been thrashing around out of her woundedness and she's hurting herself and hurting other people. And she gets this little taste of God. She gets a little taste of something else. And and she makes a promise to God that that she'll give her life to Him under these certain circumstances. And even as she says she makes this kind of bargain with God, she realizes how silly it is to try to bargain with something so great and beautiful. But the funny thing for me reading this story about this woman who obviously like, I I can't identify with her lifestyle. I can't identify with the way she was acting out. I still nonetheless like identified with her at the heart level. Like this idea of, I mean, if you're going to ask the question, what does faithfulness actually mean? What are you really being faithful to? I think pretty much all of us on any given day, we try to take our own satisfaction into our own hands. You know, we, we try to like we thrash around, we use other people, we manipulate. We may not be making these major crazy bad decisions that are as destructive as like infidelity, but in some ways we're not being true to ourselves. We are lying, you know, when we choose something less. It was really a neat experience for me to read about this person who's who's living in such a different way, and yet who has the same core desires that I do, you know, the same (laughs) desire to be loved and accepted and seen um, and, in a sense, to live forever, you know? So after I read that book, I put it down and wrote that song, like, right away. And it's called What Bendrix Read because Bendrix, this man, who she'd been in a relationship with, found these journals of hers. And he was reading these very interesting entries kind of describing this conversion experience that he had no idea she was going through, you know, and I don't, I'm not going to give it anything else away because I really want people to read the book and see what actually happens in the end. But yeah, that's like, I guess you could say somewhat thematic of the whole album, the idea of experiencing salvation or a hunger for salvation and a taste for it in the place you may least expect it, even in the midst of your most crazy egregious messiness like mm. that might be where you experience that nothing else will satisfy you other than god you know so yeah
1: wow well this is a love good premiere of what bendrix read from the brand new full-length album that's not even released to the general public yet goodbye stranger from a Boudreaux.
2: i know some tricks he's good at trade Isn't it strange how pedantic What we call romantic I make him feel strong He makes me feel seen What do we owe to the ether What are we, the creatures He thinks I'm a fraud Suspects I'm a cheat He wants me guilty But he wants me Then you start to haunt me I don't know how It was the last day I lost it. But he was alive, I wished he were dead. Then he'd be safe from my crushing, the spirit touching.
1: Well, you've just heard what Bendrix read from Goodbye Stranger, the soon-to-be-released brand-new full-length album from Alana Boudreaux, who's here with us in the studio. Uh, Alana, this idea of not being able to take satisfaction into your own hands— that sort of goes against the grain, I think, of a lot of our modern approach to happiness. We, we do sort of think, especially in America, I mean, I, I certainly love the idea of chasing after a dream and pursuing anything. Uh, but as soon as I get that satisfaction wrapped up in myself, I, I do come up empty. Yeah. And I do think it's really cool that not only this song, but I'm sure so many other songs from your album, Um, are going to really bring out these universal human truths. I mean, if they've each been inspired, or many of them inspired by other great works of literature, it's going to happen really naturally. Uh, What are some of the books that that you were reading in the creative process leading up to this album, other books that you would really recommend Mm -hmm. to even further bring to life some of these songs? Sure. Well, for
3: the title track, Goodbye Stranger, I read The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck last summer. And... It's funny, it's one of those books that I had been meaning to read my whole life and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And it's now one of my favorite books. And the line that actually inspired the unfolding of the song was Steinbeck is describing the matriarch, Ma Joad, in the book. After a long day of work, she's sitting down and the way he describes her hands are, he says, her hands were laying like two tired lovers in her lap. And I just read that line, and I thought, oh, my goodness, that is beautiful. Like, the economy of language, it's—the great thing about Steinbeck is he could write about a turtle going across the road, which he does in East of Eden, and it's just riveting. It's just like, i oh, yeah. got to know what happens to this turtle. And it's just somehow, I don't know, poetic. I, have you read Steinbeck?
1: No, no I haven't. Okay, you
3: got to check him out, Jimmy. Yeah. It's truly, like—but also, yeah, he's, he's just profound, and he keeps things kind of ambiguous, which is mysterious, and— He shows the good and the bad and everyone, sort of like Flannery O'Connor, like everybody's broken, you know, like, which is refreshing when you read. And that book, again, yeah, Goodbye Stranger, the title track, is a story song where I was stepping into the role of, I was imagining myself as a waitress just working in a diner, like on some desolate stretch of highway in the middle of nowhere and just being there available for whoever's coming through to talk to them, kind of as a mother, you know, like if somebody just needed a, a maternal presence, you know, somebody who's not trying to get anything from them, mm-hmm. but just someone who's accepting just to listen. And so that was what I was trying to emulate there. Another book was The Movie Goer by Walker Percy. Have you read that one?
1: It's been a long time, but yes. Yeah,
3: that that's that one is like, uh, I think, a prophetic book in, in many ways for our times today, so the moviegoer by Walker Percy was a big inspiration, and again the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins has that's inspired me many times through the years. So I put a couple of his poems to music, and I also took some sonic risks with a couple of the songs, and I'm really excited with how those turned out. And the Divine Comedy by Dante particularly Purgatorio and Inferno. <laughs> this, is, this sounds very dark, but there is a song on the album inspired by by those sections of the Divine Comedy, and I put the lyrics over this jig by Bach that I learned in high school because I used to play piano. That was my primary instrument from when I was six up until I left for college. So that was a really enjoyable thing to do. Some people may think it's just you know, sacrilege to take an older piece of literature and music and contemporize it in a sense. But it's actually, when you hear it, I I did my best to maintain the ancientness of it, the feeling of, you know, the Baroque time when it was actually written, at least the Bach piece. And I don't know really what music sounded like in Dante's time, but it was a lot of fun to do. And so those are the, those are the main literary sources that come to mind, you know, that were rolling around in my head as I was writing these songs. So, highly recommend each of them.
1: One of the great joys of our friendship through the years, Alana, has been hearing what books you're reading. I mean, I, you're one of those people who's always introducing me or reminding me of the importance of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love every artist you've ever recommended so it's really cool having you now as our content director because this ability to recommend the true the good and the beautiful uh, is now really being extended to our patrons in a very real way Uh, as we close out this conversation tell me a little bit about the June shipment what you're excited about and what people can expect here in probably a matter of days as it's being shipped to them in seven countries 380 patrons by the way the most we've ever had very 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 exciting. exciting time
3: yeah totally Well, um, it's again, it's such an honor to be in the position where I can actually share pieces of art and music and literature that I love and that I hope will be edifying and meaningful for our patrons. And I'm probably most excited in the June shipment about the Rilke book of poems that we're sharing. And Rilke was a Bohemian Austrian poet. And I first heard of him... In college that's when I first read his his works and he makes poetry more accessible I think to most people partly because his economy of language is fairly simple when you first read it at first blush it's easily digestible and yet the themes beneath the poems are at turns very joyous and at other turns very very tragic which I think is what makes them so human you know they're uh, simple, but they pack a really powerful punch, and you kind of keep coming back to them again and again. So I'm just really interested to see what our patrons' responses are to that book, you know, and also the exclusive artwork, you know, that we had commissioned for that. I'm I'm really thrilled with how that turned out. It was inspired by one particular line from the book, so maybe some patrons will find that line and. Email me or something. It's kind of a cool geek challenge. I wouldn't mind that. Then musically, this trio, Sister Sinjin, they're just this really gifted group of women from Indiana. All of them are mothers. They're all wearing lots of different hats, and they just sort of fell in together as a group and realized that they had magical musical chemistry. And they sort of have like an Avett Brothers vibe, but with this feminine sort of sense and their lyrics are stunning and image heavy so very excited about that and and then the hunts are a great group from the dc area they're a family all siblings just wildly talented people and their music has uh, it's very upbeat and and driving and it's full of these just gorgeous vignettes from their lives and their grandparents lives their parents lives so all in all just just I think it's going to be a great shipment. I'm very excited about it. I'm going to be listening.
1: Yeah, it really is amazing, Alana. I cannot wait to get this shipment out to our patrons. And for those who aren't yet patrons, you probably should become one now. Lovegoodculture.com slash join. And you can get the Rilka. Sister Sinjin, The Hunts, Commissioned Artwork, the higher you go, the more you get. We got actually for the first time Love Good Curated Coffee even going to our highest level patrons. So that's really, really exciting. And uh, Alana, we can't thank you enough for all your hard work these last many months. We'll uh, see you soon and do this again, I'm sure, one day. Sounds good. (laughs) There's a boy, boy
2: on a bicycle And he goes by every day and I don't know, no, I don't know his name For now he will remain The boy on the bicycle, yeah, yeah Just a boy on his bicycle going by, Yay. Yeah. Oh, yeah
1: What an incredible conversation with Alana Boudreaux, not only A dear friend, uh, not only a a great collaborator on a near daily basis as we continue to curate new content, and she comes alongside our seasonal packages and our Spotify playlists and our blog. Like she's just an incredible content director for Lovegood. And she's, yes, an absolutely brilliant artist, but most importantly, she's a dear friend and someone that I just respect so much. And I'm so excited to get to share a little bit of her story with all of you. Um, As we mentioned, we've got an incredible package going out exclusively to our patrons in just a few days. This is your last chance to go to lovegoodculture.com slash join and simply share life together well. And yes, that's music, that's books, that's art, but my instinct says maybe it's even coffee and maybe many other things we haven't even dreamed of yet. Now is the time to get on board as Love Good is growing. You can stand on the front lines with us of building a movement that can truly transform culture. We love you guys. We'll be back in a few more weeks with another bonus episode. You're not going to want to miss it, so subscribe, not only as a patron, but even on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. It goes a long way in helping us spread the word about what we're doing over here in Nashville, Tennessee and far beyond. You guys are amazing. Hope you have a great, great start to your Summer, and we'll see you in a few weeks. God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Love Good podcast. Tell your friends all about us, stay in touch on social media, and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. Massive thanks to all of our patrons who make this podcast possible. As they stand on the front lines of discovering the world's best new music, books, and art before anyone else, Our patrons raise media to a higher standard and help young people and artists turn that standard into a way of life. Join the movement today that will give you hope for tomorrow. Become a patron now at lovegoodculture.com.